checking out the latest episode of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. Try to do this thing every single week. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you found it. His name is Scott Hershey. Uh, my name is Michael Gray. We are joined by Ed Beal of Capital Sports in Helena, Montana, talking about the youngins and what all the kids are doing because it is hunting season here in Montana and a very special window that a lot of people outside the state might not know about, the Montana Youth Hunt. The Youth Hunt is two days. Um, There's no school going on during those two days. Right. Uh, and uh, this is something that allows the kids to go out and uh, get deer hunting before the masses hit. And, yeah. and it's been such a positive thing for the state ever since they instituted this and, and a great experience for uh, kids and the people who get to take those kids out. Ed, how are you? I'm great. And I'm glad the Youth Hunt starts tomorrow. I just want to say one thing, and this is what we usually hear down at the store a lot. Sure. Can can I take my youth hunter elk hunting tomorrow? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just that's just the one thing I want to clarify really, really well. Right, right. It's a deer hunt. Right, right. Yeah. What well, kind of what kind of deer? And it's well, it's <laughs> what do we have here? It's specific to the HD. It's a black tail, right? The hunting district that you're in. Uh, oh, do yeah. people think they're black tail here? Um, only people from Oregon. Oh, and you know there's more of them oh. now. Yeah, right. oh, Washington, yeah. Washington too. I drove in behind one today. I won't talk about that because this is a good thing. We're talking about youth hunting. Yeah, so it's whitetails, muleys, right. mm -hmm. no elk, right. no wapiti. Yeah, no, no. Just no, be clear. None of the bigger stuff. Yeah. And I did warn the boy uh, with the bear season that if we see one of the bears that I was up to my nipples in during bow season, that I may snatch that rifle out of his hand. Um, you don't want to explain that. <laughs> I was, man, I ran into so many bears during bow season, uh, more than I've ever seen. And all the kind that I couldn't go after because it was all mamas and boo-boos. A uh, lot, of, lot of sows, a lot of cubs. Well, based on what I heard you say earlier, I wouldn't want to be attacked by a bear with you because I think you run fast. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to hunt with people I'm faster than. Yeah, but he screams That's, loud. And that might that. actually be irritating <laughs> oh. enough to get the bear to go away. Is to run the other way. You'd be baited. I don't know who doesn't scream when they're attacked by a bear. <laughs> it's good to be bait. Uh, yeah. Do you know offhand what year... Uh, they started the, the youth hunt? No, it was passed by the legislature a few years ago. Um, and then the 10-year-olds with the apprentice mentor right. program going to 10 uh, was just a few years ago. That wasn't very long ago at all. No, I'm going to say four or five years ago, mm -hmm. something like that, with, with the 10-year-olds. Pre yeah. Previously, it was 12 through 15, and now with the mentor apprentice program, uh, it's 10 11s and then you get 12 through 15 on the hunter ed side and that's what i'm doing with my son this year uh, yep. i've taken him with me in the field but never at a time when when he could actually hunt and of course that's the first thing after about 10 minutes of glassing a ridgeline he's like when do i get a gun settle down you're, yeah. even, you're not even halfway through your hot chocolate all right so so yep. uh this year he gets to uh to go out and it's been it's been a joy to go through all the preparation talk him through it i got made fun of by my family because i had a very crude drawing of a deer i'm like this is where you want to shoot and then my wife and my daughter took turns telling me like well does he know what a deer actually looks like because he shouldn't shoot at anything that looks like this because that's that animal has a problem you mean like um, one with big ears that braise <laughs> right yeah that's that's not a deer it was more the stick legs they had a problem with i'm like look just shoot behind the front shoulder you guys are yeah. gonna see a llama and he's gonna go that looks like the deer <laughs> you drew dad can i shoot that exactly. you're gonna go no i know Only that looks you like want the deer i drew in jail right? yeah. in the event we see a giraffe he knows exactly <laughs> what to do uh, but it's been a, it's been a real joy to get to get him ready and i know uh, as we crept up we creep up towards the the beginning of this thing. He's finally like, "Hey, can we shoot again tomorrow? I just want to shoot again. I just want to, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that." He understands, you know, the idea. I'm like, 
He shoots the first one. If the second one's better, he's like, my second one was better. I'm like, you don't get a second one. Like when when it one, matters, one and done. You get you get one shot, and then that yeah. deer gives you deuces and is in the next county. Maybe that's um, why we start with deer, because you only get one instead of like if you took them pheasant hunting. Right, <laughs> right. Can you count to twenty? Yeah, I was no, I mean say, that's not right. You either. don't want to go duck hunting either. You start <laughs> yeah. to get spoiled. Like I got a half a dozen oh. of these things. Um, so with with that said, and and you've got a uh, an important perspective on this, you know, working in the the retail end of it. Just the importance of getting these kids started early and giving them that exposure at a time when you can kind of set the hook and, and get them started on this lifestyle because it's, by all measures and all statistics, it's just doing nothing but dwindling. Yeah, and you know, it's an interesting thing because hunting is definitely a life sport. Hunting, fishing, you can do it all until you can't walk, right? Right. And so you get to do it forever. When you play hockey or baseball or soccer or football or whatever, Finite it's a period window. of time. And so I, I do think it's a trick. I had four kids. I have four kids. They're just not kids anymore. <laughs> and uh, three of the four have hunted. Two of them are successful hunters. And uh, it took a lot to fit that in with the soccer season, really, in the fall. Yep. They're all girls. One of them is uh, extremely quick on the shot now. In the beginning, she wasn't. But as an adult, she is. And, you know, I think it was tricky then, but then it stuck with them. You know, and so um, I encourage everybody out there to get out there and with their kids now when they're young and give that a shot. You know, give them that experience in the outdoors. I took my grandson, who's not old enough, a couple of years ago, just kind of a funny deal because I was hunting. We were on a block management, and it was a decent Sunday. I didn't want it to be a terrible cold Sunday because he was a little guy. I think then he was seven. And uh, we took a nice hike. Didn't see anything beautiful day a little bit of snow and we sat down to watch this area in the evening and we're there like 10 minutes and he says come on grandpa let's go there's nothing here (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I think you have the perspective though this is uh this is what i found out with my kids is is um some of the kids especially with girls but but more even overall some of the kids are going to pick up hunting um and and they might not even continue with it some are going to try it some are going to become passionate about it and do it their whole lives like we have and then other ones have no interest in it and and i think it's really important as as parents go to foster all of those yep. and to understand all of those and to work with all of those and and let them kind of decide their own path and that's kind of what hunting is i, I think that you you understand as you're older you know you want your kids to, to do this with you everybody wants to but it's really something that they should choose well and as i get older i really look for the idea when my grandson's like 15 and he can pack elk out yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. You know, it hurts. Right. It hurts. I have to go home and do yoga to, to <laughs> well, continue. Well, there's something hunting, I don't have know? to worry about my kids helping with. Cause, uh... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one thing I'd say, and I've seen in, in our shop a lot, is just to to encourage the folks, the adults that are taking them, whether it's your, your kids, your grandkids, or your friends' kids, or whatever, and you're mentoring them or taking them on their first hunt, really to remember to step out of the way. That's one thing I'd say is, don't be so anxious about getting that big buck or, you know, and I know on the youth hunt you can't, but as you go forward, you know, just think about this is for them when you're taking them out. Right. And, you know, they get bored quicker or they get impatient quicker. Or they don't understand. I just say, suggest really devote that time to them. I've talked to a lot of dads about it and each step of it that we do, we do normally, whether it's practicing like you're doing with your son, Mike, and, and getting them comfortable with the rifle and then once you get out there, you know, just 
what do they want to do? You know, I mean, right. we want them to be successful and get hooked and all that, but just be patient and do it on their time. And remember, uh, this one is about them and it's not about dad or uncle or grandpa. Well, especially with the mentor program, not so much when they get to the hunters, uh, hunters education age, cause they do a nice job of teaching them a lot of aspects about yep. this, but when it's on you, you can't take anything for granted that they, that they will know this, you know, they don't know certain things that you, we've been doing it for so long. You take for granted. And, and one of my favorite stories about this, uh, I read in an article in, uh, in outdoor life when I was, this is quite a while ago, but it made, made an impression cause it's a really funny story, but it, it illustrates this fact about kids. And this guy wrote a, an entire article about his daughter and about getting her ready for uh, whitetail hunting and in much of like the country that's stand hunting for whitetails right and he takes his teenage daughter out it's her first year he takes her through all the preparation he gets her ready to go he teaches her all about safety and everything first and really concentrates on the safety aspect and then he teaches her about uh, you know what she's looking for you know what are you gonna you know waiting in a stand and all this they gets to the point and um, end of the day, he's in one stand, she's in another stand, and he gets over there, and he says to her, he's like, he says, and she's like, I, I killed, I killed a deer, and he was very excited for her, and he, she's got a doe down, which was, which was legal. He's got, she, she's got a doe down, uh, you know, near the stand. And he's like, tell me the story. This is so cool. And she's like, these four deer came in and they were under my stand for a period of time. She's like, I waited and I waited and I waited. And there were three of them. Um, and, and one of them had, or four of them, she said, one of them had antlers. And he's like, there was a buck? <laughs> he's like, well, the antlers? How big? She's like, oh, they were really big. <laughs> and he said, well, she goes, and I waited and I waited. And she goes, and then finally, one of them stood up and I could see that that it was oh no she saw she shot a small buck but she said he stood up and i could see it was a male he forgot to tell her that males had antlers right like that was the defining character she was waiting to shoot a buck but he didn't tell her you need to see his dingling the simplest aspect of hunting for a buck her stand must have been low and, right and she finally had to wait to actually lay eyes on the proof which she didn't know antlers were proof, and so well, she let the big buck go and shot the small buck. He, she took out the buck that that herd most desperately needed. <laughs> good thing those elementary <laughs> teachers did a good job in biology, right? But it right. is a, yeah. Yeah, it's a hundred percent not. Don't take stuff for granted when you're hunting with kids. They will ask you some questions. You'll be like, well, if, you know, it seems like common sense, and it and it's just not. Like you have to you have to learn some of this outdoor stuff. I was hunting with one of my number three daughter, my favorite third daughter, daughter, right? And we were out and hunting whitetails, and whitetails were coming in towards us, and I'm seeing them all, and there's just one buck, and he's not very big. And I thought, I want to get a big buck. So we're laying there all set up. I'm on a bipod. She's not hunting. She's just with me. And uh, as it gets closer, I go, Dad, or she goes, Dad, that buck's really close. And I said, it's too small, Katie. He gets a little closer. I don't think I'm going to shoot him. He's, he's just too small. And she just whispers in my ear, Dad, it's meat. <laughs> Clicked off the safety, boom. Right. Well, there, that's, you know, that's what I told my son. And like, look, part of this is to get you the experience and, and to get you out into the woods and to, you know, see if you have a, a taste for this and if it's something that you want to be a part of. Because living in Montana, it's obviously unlike so many other places. The other part of this is you're just growing like it's your job and somebody else has got to help feed this joint. So <laughs> the more of those you can put in the freezer, the better off we all will be. And good food. Um, yeah, and and great food. Um, you know that's a huge part of the cycle here too. You know, you mentioned 
what you can, what you can't shoot, and all of those things. That's something that I've I've struggled with family and friends around the country to make sense of Montana. Like, what are you hunting for? I'm like, well, I've got an antelope tag, a deer tag, a uh, bear tag, uh, you know, elk, and then you know I carry a wolf tag with me at all times. And I was so you you hunting all of that same time? I'm like, yeah. No, if I, if I see it and I have a tag for it, basically anything other than a goat or a sheep, it's got a good chance of, you know, eating a bullet. Like, oh, wow, that's that's weird. It's a lot of opportunity. Well, huh? people in Wisconsin, people in Minnesota, people in Nebraska, Iowa, you know, places that are famous for deer hunting, they're used to hunting whitetail bucks, full stop. Occasionally you get a doe tag, you know, but that's it. That's the only thing they're going after. And out here yeah. you have so many things. And, you know, I started talking about the archery season. I saw everything I couldn't shoot. Yeah. Whatever, whatever I couldn't put an arrow in was waving at me. How you doing? Um, but it was is so neat. To I've had see those days. Yeah. All of those critters. Yeah. All these different things that are all. You know, I mean, I had bears running into mountain lions and scaring off mountain lions. I'm like, okay, well, I'm fair about the elk aren't in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm, I'm or the they thing. are because uh, that's where those guys followed I'm, them to. I'm the only yeah. thing without fangs. And they're not prey anymore. They're food. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> now they're just on the menu. Um, but that, you know, getting getting the kid out and giving him an opportunity to kind of witness this. And I've joked with the wife. I'm like, yeah, we're, I'm going to take a boy out looking for deer, and we're going to end up in uh, 50 head elk. That's what's going to happen because whatever I don't have a tag for magically appears like a unicorn from the sky. And she goes, how cool would it be for the boy to be sitting in a herd full of elk? I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> Pretty That's awesome. a really fair point. Like, put the yeah. gun down. We're just going to let these guys head on through. Here are the binoculars. Yep. Check this out. Yep. You know, it's fun to see bears and all this stuff. It's hard to see lions. It, no, there could be one in this room right now. We wouldn't know. <laughs> no, you could have you, one in your pocket. You'd There's... feel it on the back of your neck. <laughs> that long hair growing on the back of you. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and then your son never go hunting again. Like, oh, I didn't know there were lions out here. Exactly. Uh, nice kitty. <laughs> you know the the other thing that goes along with this, and it's something that again I'm discovering for the first time: uh, land access. Which is a famous a, a famous issue in Montana. You know, you can walk into any bar you want to start an argument. Mention land access, buy yourself a beer, sit at the end of the bar, let them fight. Um, but what I discover with regards to the youth hunt is that, man, people go out of their way to make sure this is a thing. You know, I contacted two people that I know that both have private tracts of land, and they didn't. neither one of them even took a breath. Neither one of them would be nearly as open about letting me out there. He said, Come, <laughs> bring, bring your son. Yeah, 100%. Like, hey, it's the first youth. Hunt. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, you know, here's, I'll call you this time, this time. You know where to go, blah, 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 blah. You know, if I call them like, hey, I'd like to go out. And they're like, yeah, well, I'm busy that day. Um, yeah. But with regards to the kids, it really is part of the culture here that people go out of their way to make it available to them. Yeah, there's a lot of widespread support. Various ranches will advertise it for you and... And certainly the easy way, Mike, is like you did, just to ask, yeah. you know, hey. And and with it being Thursday and Friday before the opener, it's a little calmer, not so much going on. I think it's a great thing for them to have that intro in a in a kind of easy slip into instead of a first opening morning big day. Oh yeah. You we're know? now you're now you're just a kid on an airplane. All the adults hate you. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You're competing. Right. You you ten year old are competing with the big guys. 
Well, and that's crazy, the way but... it's changed, you know. Yeah. When, I, when I was a kid, we didn't. There was no youth deer hunt, and when I was a kid, it was a lot different. We were talking about the fact that the, just the game numbers in Montana, especially with elk. Um, I told them I, I hunted not, you know, and I we, we've made it uh, perfectly clear and, and famous on the show for not ever having killed a bull elk in my life. But <laughs> I get into elk all the time now. I didn't see elk for maybe the first ten years of hunting with my dad. And I'd be like, "What? We're, we'd go elk hunting, and I'd be like, no, we're not going to see it. The first time I ever saw an elk with my dad, I was shocked. I, it was the least likely thing that could have happened that And you day. didn't know you couldn't hunt in Yellowstone, uh, huh? It was Actually, we were very close to Yellowstone. <laughs> we, were, we were in Gardner, and uh, oh, that's yeah. very close Yeah, because uh, we used to go there all the time. But uh, And I think that's a credit to the you know the, the elk numbers in this state are higher than they've ever been. And so now um, now I just got to you know seal the deal. But when I was a kid, it was a lot harder. These kids get a, an opportunity to go out and do something, and, and it's catered to them. And these ranches doing that and allowing them uh, is, is a big help in keeping this going because if a kid has uh, a rough experience, if a kid doesn't, you know, and early on when you're a kid, success is a big part of it. And so if you get an opportunity yeah. to even harvest a, a doe, anything uh, that's legal, you're going to have a good day and it's going to catch with these kids and, and a lot more of them are going to follow on. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, the point to the doe, like my daughter saying to me, dad, it's meat. Right. You know, I mean, that's really the majority of what they're there. We're there for is to get some great food out of it to support conservation and all that, you know, and, and continue healthy elk populations and such through hunting. So to, to share that with them, they get it pretty quick, you know, and I think it's a pretty fantastic opportunity to be out there. I, thinking back to my grandson on that same day, you know, he got bored pretty quick and, you know, it was still early. It was prime time for animals to come out in the evening and such. And he says, let's do something else, Grandpa. And so we went over to some BLM land, BLM land, and I pulled this pack of hot dogs, marshmallows, and a can of 7-Up out of my pack. Yep. <laughs> I had prepared for uh, for dinner. Yeah. So we, we had an evening sunset uh, hot dog roast and then marshmallows and 7-Up. And I think probably my daughter and son-in-law are just hearing this for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was, you know, that was a big thought just with getting him out in the field because I went through this with my daughter. Uh, she's three years older than he. She went through hunter safety was just the whole time. I want to hunt. I want to be a hunter. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then I took her out once. She's like, I, I will never be able to pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah. And she was honest with me about it. She's yeah. like, I, I, I love that you do it. Love eating. I'm, I have no problem with that. But like, I know for a fact I will never be able to take that animal's life. I just won't. Yep. And so she, she's, okay. she's out. I don't think I'm going to have that problem with the boy. Yeah. Um, and, at all. Yep. Um, we'll be ready. The the competition in my mind, and this is this is another important point in the conversation for you. The com the the competition for kids in my mind is always like Wi-Fi. It's video games. It's a lot of things that beep and flash, and a lot of like short attention span theater stuff. Um, but there's also the competition now hunters at large are having with other outdoor activity groups, people that want to be outside, mm -hmm. but that don't fund the conservation efforts we've talked about with hunting licenses. Right. You know, the, the best information I could have, I could find uh, in 1982, there were 17 million hunters nationwide that bought like 21 million tags. In 2016, that was down to 11 and a half mm -hmm. while the population grew. Outdoor usage grows, but your revenue base, what funds all of the things, comes from those fishing and hunting licenses. Mm -hmm. um, campers don't pay those fees. They pay their camp fees and whatnot, but the money that comes out of the hunting community 
is in the billions of dollars. Yeah. Well, and um, there's also like PR money, Pittman Robertson, which is an 11% FET on firearms and ammunition. Right. There's another program on, on fishing gear. And that's really what has created the North American model of conservation with hunting being the base of that. It's extremely successful. It's the most successful program on earth. And, uh, you know, nobody's made a better model for that. And I think hunters are really, and fisher purpose, I should say fisher persons, right? Uh, hunters and fishermen. Fish people. Aquaman. Fish people. Yeah. All of us that enjoy those items in the outdoors, we're happy to support it and we're excited. And everybody else gets to see the animals too, you know? Right. So other than a park, you can, you know, there's times where I can find much larger groups of elk out here in Montana versus even Yellowstone and certainly bears. There's places where you can go look at grizzly bears and that's all funded through what you just said. Right. But that losing that and seeing it decline year in, year out and, and that the fact that the, that some level the competition is like the calls coming from inside the house. You have people that want to be outdoors, but don't want to pay for all the stuff. Yeah. You know, because all of that stuff, all of those campsites, all of the the money that goes through all of the various wildlife funds that make all of the things, the boat launches and the stuff that we all enjoy, uh, such a huge chunk of that comes from folks in Orange. You also get a lot of hunters who uh, really want uh, hunting to continue and they want youth to come up and become hunters. And we want everybody, we want the numbers to stay up. They don't want them anywhere near their grounds <laughs> and they will treat them terribly if they see another hunter right. within the same county. And that kind of has to, you're going to get to get one with the other. And anybody who's come from a place like you have been, and I lived in Colorado <laughs> for three years. And if you think we have a lot of hunters up here, we don't. you are sadly mistaken. No, we don't. Because you have never sat at opening light and watched the sun uh, come up and then just see orange everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens on public land in, in Colorado, and it happens in the places that you've lived. And, and that oh, yeah. is something we still, you know, you're going to see more bow hunters than you've ever seen in this state. That's There's no doubt about it. But you still have to appreciate what we have. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that, Scott, I mean... You look at the Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and you've got hundreds of thousands of bow hunters. We we maybe hit 50,000 this year. Right. You know, so, mm -hmm. yeah, we get worried about the impact in the field, but it's we're the fourth largest state physically. Right, 144,000 square miles and We change. just all show up at the same place at the same <laughs> the time. And then we go, hey, your, your license plate doesn't belong here. And during right. rifle season, you can get away from them if you just get out of the truck and walk. Well, there is right. that. <laughs> well, you can do the same with bow hunting. You just can't be at the trailhead and expect not to see anybody because, I mean, Scott's point's a good one. We need more hunters out there, just not in my spot. Right. Um, I hate them. I can't, I can't stand when I see those guys. Yeah, don't tell where you went, right? Well, and that's, that's I actually, sacred. Going back to the youth, I've, yeah. been, I've been drilling my boy. I'm like, look, when you go back to school on Monday, dad took you to a spot. You're not sure where you were because it was dark. All no, right? ge no geo stamps Don't, on those pictures, man. Well, no geo stamps in the pictures and no names of any landowners you know. And no, don't, nothing. Not a thing. Like, play dumb. And that was the thing coming, you know. My first couple of my first couple of hunting trips because it's the first thing they find out and they're like, "Where were you?" Yeah, and I got to do the dumb blonde thing. I was like, "Oh man, I was out with the guys who lived here his whole life. He took I don't know where the hell we were. We were up on some stupid ridge top somewhere. I don't know. It was far. I don't that, know. We that parked, was Elk Ridge. We parked the yeah. We parked the truck and then we walked miles forever and then uh, and then I shot an elk and I don't know where I was. Uh, you know, 
And where was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%. South. It was the hunting West. spot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think back on the numbers, you know, I, I think Montana, my gut feel is there's growth in that right now. We don't have a shrinking number. That would be my gut feeling. And it's hard to find the accurate statistics on this You can this get stuff. it from FWP every yeah. year. They After would, each year, they'll give you all the data. They don't return our calls anymore. Oh, well. And there are tags now that used to be a gimme that now people aren't drawing for. Right. Uh, things like the archery antelope tag where it used to, if you applied, you used to get one. And yeah. now, there's a number, but it used to be, it's a big number. And then now there's so many hunters applying for some of this stuff. It's, you don't yeah. automatically get some of these anymore. And that shows kind of the growth of hunting, especially in this state. Yep. It's, and that, that part of it is, uh, you know, enormous and, and important. What can FWP do to help? In from, which from from where you see like facilitating we've talked about the the regulations with the kids i love the the two-day early thing i know some older i've talked to some people that grouse about well those damn kids get to go out there i don't get to go out settle down um yeah. but what you know do you see from from where you sit places where fwp fish wildlife parks uh can can help well actually i sit on the private land public wildlife council I'm the chair of that council this year, and we work on access and and uh, opportunity for hunting. And I think the department's doing a ton to do that. It's never done, and there's never a complete reality of meeting everybody's needs. But, uh, you know, like, I mean, there's, as an example, access is the big thing, right? Right. You're looking for a place to take your son hunting on a first hunt. Access is huge. The block management program encompasses about 7 million acres. That's a lot of acreage. Yeah, that's a good. Chunk. And and you know the unique thing, Mike, is we're working a lot with the hunter education reality. So you've got the mentor program, then you take hunter education. Um, that's all there. But then what goes beyond that? And that's that's a big question. You know, I think probably your son can teach you a little bit about hunter ethics. I mean, that's that's the reality. You know, I learned how to locked my seatbelt on my lap in my car from my youngest daughter, hearing it over and over in school. And she'd say, Dad! But, you know, so I think um, the department's doing a lot. They can do a lot more, but they're working really hard on it. You know, those key points, we're we're looking at how to get public access to public lands that are inaccessible. Landlocked. Or landlocked, both. There's programs for that that have been very successful. Obviously, the block management's the big one. And then within that, how do we keep it? You know, there's a new campaign coming, and it's about, without giving it away, it's essentially, it's up to us to protect this right to hunt, mm-hmm. this privilege to hunt. Right. Right? And that's a behavioral reality. So I think dad's taking their sons or mom taking their sons or daughters and getting out and hunting. It begins there. That That's the number one I, thing I'd say is to make it easier to get access Everybody needs to behave really well. And, you know, like we're joking about somebody shows up with a license plate from another state. Well, they pay for most of the things we play with in the hunting world here. Yeah. The non-resident pays a lot to hunt. <laughs> every now they, they pay our way. I'll tell you, every now and again, I, uh, I, I click on the wrong thing for the out-of-state, and you just see the fee sheet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 
Oh, good lord! That's an expensive duck. As we were talking about, <laughs> uh, we were talking about these ranches, the, especially ones that might have limited access for uh, the regular season, uh, and, and how much they lay out the welcome mat for these kids. And I thought, so, so what's the difference? Why, why are they doing this? And and one of the things that has to be considered is, well, first of all, there's joy in bringing kids their first uh, their first experience, especially if it's successful. And a lot of these ranches have animals that they need to get rid of, and, and there's a good combination there. But why is it? that some of these ranches that don't allow a lot of public access let the kids come in. And I think I think you kind of hit on a little bit of it there, is the adults are going to behave better with the kids. They're going to have the ethics. They're going to do everything right. Boy, you hope so. Later on, that temptation yep. is there when the kid's not around or or something, you know, and, and that's where the problems lie. And we have to do, a, like you said, it's on us, and, and we have to do a better job um, of, of doing everything things right when we give when we're given those opportunities on people's public or uh, uh, private land you have to do the right thing you could yeah. ruin it for everybody it's and we've all seen it and i never question landowners who have closed it down i've never questioned landowners who have a certain way of doing it they found what works for them but yeah. boy they deal with stuff that we wouldn't even know you know i i would just share with you there's a large block management area near us a lot of people go on it and they were one of the first, if not the first, block management operators, cooperators in the state of Montana. And I know I've talked to this owner a number of times, and her comment to me about why they continue to stay in that program, and they're a type one, so it means you can just sign in and mm -hmm. go, right? She refers to a father and daughter coming to hunt the first time, and this daughter harvested a 12-year-old uh, uh, daughter harvested a uh, white-tailed buck. And the smile on her face continues to motivate that landowner to allow that kind of access i mean it's a simple reality mm -hmm. you know and i thought wow i've and i've heard it from her from her a number of times so i think we shouldn't take that for granted um we need to remember that but definitely landowners like to give those kids that first chance at a good opportunity on a safe hunt and uh with a good opportunity to have success, you know? Well, and, and the ethics part of it, to guarantee it, it's so important because we've talked on this on this podcast. We've had uh, a couple of different ranch owners, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm never not crestfallen to hear their stories, uh, no matter where they are on the access issue, of times they've been burned yeah. by people that go out and genuinely just trash the joint. And, well, and if you pass that on at an early age, I mean, you never get it. You know, it's that it's that baby bird thing. Like, oh, mama, you just you, whatever you put your eyes on that first time out is going to be in there forever. Yep. Um. And my God, the importance of making sure that you are buttoned up, pack it in, pack it out. You know what you're hunting. Be clear on your you know your lanes. Your all of the all of the stuff that goes into ethical hunting. Um. To be extra vigilant about it with these little ones. That first year out, I just I can't imagine anything more important. Yeah, if you're hunting on private land, but we should treat our public land the same the way. The same way, you know, oh, with, for sure. With ultimate respect. But I think on the private land, the, probably the key thing there is just a relationship. You know, creating, developing, and maintaining a relationship with whatever landowner. If they're, if they're letting you on in a block management program, that's fantastic. If you ask and they let you on, that's fantastic. But... Creating that relationship, right. knowing what it is, knowing the rules, you know, you wouldn't do certain things at your house. You know, you wouldn't right. throw garbage out in your yard, you know, or, you know, leave the garage 
door open for the dog to run out or the house door. Right. It's it's just those kind of things or track mud in or whatever. Well, and don't question so their reasons for doing what they do. And I see this a lot, oh, of, yeah. and I've heard it a lot, where if, if a rancher tells you a certain area is a no-go, don't go there. If a rancher says you can't drive across this double field, don't drive across. There's a reason for everything they do. And uh, and, and some of it uh, you might may not make sense to you at that given point, but do it. Like <laughs> That's part of the relationship. Yeah. They know what what goes on out there. They know exactly what they're doing, and, and you have to follow that. And, and, and that's where a lot of those – that's where a lot of people get in trouble is they'll go, well, yeah. there's no reason why I can't drive across this double field. Well, yeah, there is. And, and when you do it, you've, you've, you've put a point into the let's close things down. Like that, they come one step closer to that every time somebody does that. But, but I do think we should get some – you know, I think hunters and uh, the culture overall – uh, should get a little bit of credit because I think we've come a long way in this. Oh, yeah. And if we hadn't, there wouldn't be a youth hunt. There, or there wouldn't be, definitely wouldn't be an apprentice program. We have shown as hunters that we can take young kids out there safely. We've also shown as hunters in some states, uh, and, and they're considering this. I know it's been talked about in Montana. We've even shown that you know the Hunter Orange thing doesn't make as much difference as it used to. There's not that many instances of people doing just a bush shooting or shooting at noise. And those mm-hmm. things are going away. And I think the overall culture of safety and ethics in hunting is a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about that, Scott, with uh, generally it's improved, it just takes one. Yeah. You know, and it, it's hard because one person can really mess it up. A hundred percent. In a bad, bad way. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that's on us. I mean, there's there aren't two wardens for every county in Montana. So when you look at how do we police ourselves, I think that's the question. And, and you said it, Mike, if you're with your kid, um, hopefully you'll do things really well to set that example and start them yeah. out. And that's how they learn to do a great job, to be friendly, to be conscientious. I mean, they don't – ethics are so vague. You know, it's kind of that what's – the, what's the explanation of ethic? What's the – you know, it's doing uh, the right thing when nobody is watching. When no one's mm-hmm. looking. You know, Audubon. You know, and that's that's a chance for you to give that to them in a way you'd never see in the rest of life that you get to see in hunting. And well, to, to me, with a kid, there's these gray areas that you should do the right thing as well. And some of these, some of the ones that we talk about a lot, uh, we've discussed before uh, in many ways, is, is that these, these areas where it might be legal – but it doesn't mean it's ethical and it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do in this state with some of these areas where the elk get caught up in certain areas and it's public and people are corralling them. They're driving the roads and, and it turns into a big shooting spree. And I avoid those at all costs. And there's some <laughs> yeah. people who count on them. That's their way to go get meat. We were near one of those ones. Yeah. We? <laughs> it's, been a couple, it's, it's not anything I want to ever be a no. part of. And I don't, I choose, I've, always chosen not to do that and and i think it's important for people i and i would cringe if i saw one of those situations and there's a kid out there learning that that's the way they, things are done then then I, that would be sad to me well and the other thing is the extension of the relationship this has been the other part of the conversation i'm having with my boy um because obviously the contacts that i made this year i made two with two landowners and both of them were more than gracious and what i've been telling him all along i'm like look this is now your relationship to maintain as well. This isn't this isn't they're doing a favor for me. I could sleep in. I have a couple of days off work, man. I could be I could be catching up on, I don't know, episodes of Archer on Hulu. I could be doing a lot of stuff. 
but we're going to get up early and we're going to make coffee and I got you your own thermos for your hot chocolate and all that. But when we're done with this, you now have a relationship with the person that let you come out here and have this opportunity. And now it's up to you to maintain that because this isn't just going to reflect on me anymore. And, you know, going back to all the moving that I did when, when my boy was young, this is home. And there's a really good chance that 10 years from now, you could still be talking to that guy yep. about going Great out point. at deer season, about, about having an opportunity to hunt that land. If you do it right now, you know, you got to make sure that you're on the details um, and that you show up for branding day in the spring and help out because <laughs> guess what, Junior? You're going to be in the shoots. Put some boots on. Um, Share your candy. <laughs> and <laughs> Do I get a hot shot, Dad? No, you don't get anyone. No. <laughs> no. Just abuse that. Too. You're not running the table. <laughs> um, but but maintaining those those relationships and fostering that um on a on a personal level because again you know so many of the guys they get burned and it takes one guy it takes one guy driving out there and rutting up a field that he was told not to drive in or leaving a bag of trash or shooting an animal that he ought not have shot um or missing completely and racking a bullet off of a pivot out in the middle of a field you know, like whatever all the things that can go wrong um you know maintaining that relationship is no longer just the adult's responsibility yeah. expressing that to the kids at that time like all right man you know now you have the burden of knowledge you know who made this possible yeah make sure that you keep this because you can see this is a this is something of immense value especially if they harvest an animal yep. i mean if you go out there and you're successful as a kid like there's a reason this happened and it has nothing to do with you <laughs> like yep. it doesn't even have anything to do with me i'd love to tell you that i'm this wonderful hunter and i passed on all of this knowledge daniel boone like but i didn't i know a guy <laughs> who's got a great spot and he was gracious enough to share it yeah um so maintaining those relationships you know the responsibility for that falling on the kids as they move forward because there will be a point where you're too old to do it and you just gotta when send, is that? send them uh, <laughs> man some days it feels sooner than later <laughs> i was looking at uh elk license sales for adults yeah some years ago with fwp and and 67 is kind of this magic number where elk hunters taper off and i think it's just the fact they're big and heavy and hard and yeah elk hunting isn't easy and they tend to be in hence spots. starting kids out on deer is a great idea <laughs> right. you know i've got a knee that's about 65 unfortunately <laughs> rest of me's pretty good but uh <laughs> i hope it doesn't reach that age oh man yeah i literally was doing yoga this morning yeah <laughs> only for my right hip though that's a weird position yeah <laughs> You don't no, want anybody I, walking in on that one. No. I think uh, you know. Obviously, when when you reach a point like we have, uh, and and it, our dads did something right. Uh, so what did what did your what did your dad do to, to bring you up that, that made you hooked on this hunting so much? Because I mean, you you don't hunting's your hunting's part of your life. As it's in your career, it's in everything you do. Yep. So obviously, something uh, like me and then like Mike, something got got hooked in there. And so, a little credit to our parents. Yeah, it's interesting because I was I was visiting with a guy the other day, and he was asking me something about hunting about scopes and stuff and he's a he's an off-roader guy that's his life and he says well i'm asking you because you're a hunter that's what you do you hunt and and i thought about it you know i really never consider it quite like that but it's true i love to hunt and so really scott my my beginning got started with my dad on one hunt and then he quit hunting really he took me on one hunt it was kind of a camp walk hunt and uh then he just was done. But my brother-in-law, um, who's 12 years older than I am, 
he started me hunting. And our first hunt was a duck hunt. Uh, he he loaned me a, a, a Browning BAR 12 gauge, and we went over this. I lived in Arizona when I grew up. I was a kid in Arizona. I left in 78 and came here to hunt. But we went over this duck pond dam, and right on the duck pond dam, I had one foot on the flat part, one foot on the downhill side, and there were the ducks. And it was the this is the bad thing, Mike. You're you're <laughs> teaching your kid to shoot a gun he knows. Right. He just handed me the shotgun. I took one shot, and that thing tipped me all the way over. <laughs> so that was my initiation to hunting. But and you uh, went, this is great. <laughs> I thought this is fun. As the other two shots go straight up in the air, right? <laughs> bad idea. Right. But no, then he started me bow hunting. You know, I remember him turning around, looking at me and going, shh. <laughs> over and over and over again. I would crack a stick on the trail. Shh. She'd give me that devil eye look. <laughs> right. What did you do? You stepped on that. But I harvested a uh, javelina when I was 12 was my first big game, and that was with a longbow. So that was mm. the bite. Oh, wow. That was the bite. Yeah. It was fun. And then a deer a couple of years later and one elk and then Montana. Here we are. And then, then that was 78? Yeah, I, been... I came here in 78 when I was 19. Yeah. Now, see, I was, my, you know, my dad was, uh, the rheumatoid took him out, you know, early. He got me started a little bit, but most of the hunting I had to do, it was on my own. He would tell me what to do, but by then his, his hunting days were mostly behind him. Yep. And I still remember, I've got a picture somewhere. I had gone to an outdoor store and bought, like, the warm weather, orange, the overalls, the big jacket. Oh, yeah. It's like least two sizes too big. You know, when I see the pictures back, I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me I look like the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man? Why is that coat so big? You're a big um, pumpkin that couldn't be shot. Right. Well, I got a deer. Uh, I think I was, I couldn't, I don't think I could drive yet. I was maybe 15 uh, when I got my first deer. And I remember coming back and he had a guy, buddy of his, drop me off. And then he's like, I'll be back around 10 o'clock and I'll pick you up. But they're, they're moving through here. So keep your eyes down through here. All right. And it was right at the end of the morning, you know, and it's like all the hunting stories. You remember every little thing. I was doing everything wrong. I'd set my rifle down. I was fidgeting. My butt was going numb. I'm like, this sucks. And it's cold. And I didn't see any stupid deer. And I could have slept in. And then all of a sudden, bloop, out walks this buck. I was like, oh, and boom, took a shot. And he dropped. And then, and then I had nobody to celebrate with. And so the guy Aww. pulls up like an hour later. He's like, see anything? Saw one. Shoot him. Yep. Where is he? Right there. And this guy's like, what? <laughs> really? You know, so we threw him in the truck. And then and then it was the same thing. You know, I think about this with my boy. The look on my dad's face when I walked in the living room and he's in his chair. He's like, well, did you see anything? I saw one. Did you get a shot? Yeah. Well, like he's in the driveway. And and they took him like a count of two. He's like, did you get a deer? And, and as crippled up as he was with RA, he popped out of that chair. Nice. And shuffled out like... Whole, and he was way more into it than I was. And my dad was not effusive with emotion at all. Mm. But, man, the look on his face, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Did you know the guy that brought him home for you, the deer? Did I know what? That brought the, the helped the, you load the deer? And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he was a, he was a, friend, he was a neighborhood friend of my dad's yeah. up where he retired um, and uh, was notorious for his bear baiting. <laughs> Uh, where it was legal, by the way, yeah. legal. But yeah, there was about two weeks where you didn't want to be anywhere near that dude. He stank to high heaven. It's oh, funny because yeah. when Ed was telling the story about the, the shotgun knocking him over, I feel like I feel like hunting is one of those things where you can have the most miserable, 
memorable experiences. And that's kind of the good part. That's the stuff, you know, so when I was a kid, my dad used to drag us down to Eagle Creek campground outside of Gardner for the last weekend of the season every year. Now you're talking about, you know, beginning of winter and we would go down for three days and stay in a tent. We would leave immediately after Thanksgiving, like at three in the morning. They shouldn't. It's a terrible (laughs) idea. And my dad was notoriously cheap. So we had the worst sleeping bags, we had the worst boots, we had the worst socks, and we would, gloves, We and his method of heating up the tent was to turn one burner on in a Coleman stove and then <laughs> vent the top so that we didn't die of right. CO2. And and my we would be surrounded Safety by first. RVs yeah. with heaters, and, and in fact, some of them were my dad's friends. And they couldn't believe he put us through that every year. Like, he, they would be out there, we would wake up in the morning and, and I'd have like, you know, the sleeping bag pulled up to my nose. And I would hit the side of the tent to see if snow would fall off it. Mm. And if it did, I was like, oh, it's going to be a bad, miserable day. Still and we wouldn't fond. see any elk. Right? <laughs> we totally fond memories, year. though, right? Oh, I remember it. It's, and then one, one year, my dad, because it was so cold. There's an elk outside the studio. <laughs> uh, one year it was so cold. My dad, and this had to be in the late 80s, my dad got a hotel room. And in the hotel that we were in, motel room, and the motel we were in in Gardner at that point had to be probably 12 or $13 a night. And my dad bought one. <laughs> he, got, he, he actually jumped off the dime, got us a motel room, and we never stayed in the tent again. <laughs> it was so much better. And uh, those are the memories, though. Like I said, like that's the stuff that sticks with me. So do you think he just wanted to do that to you, or he hadn't discovered motels? No, he was cheap. He was just, he's still cheap. <laughs> he didn't, it would tent, it's just the cheapest way to go. He had a two-wheel drive pickup that we went everywhere in. It was, it was in that's that's it. So I started on the uh, the bottom and tried to work a little better, not a lot better, but <laughs> a little bit better. Are you using a tent? Uh no, never, <laughs> not even guest house. <laughs> he Airbnbs his way around the state. Now. I kind of do now. I um, just hear about the boats, so I figure maybe you're still in a tent. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, as we kind of uh, wrap this thing up, if there's anybody out there who's who's listened so far. And they're not there yet with the kids, but they're they're approaching that age where they think they want to take them into the field as someone who's done it with four. Um, you know, what kind of thing do you think people should be thinking of as they kind of uh, thumbnail a, a plan for introducing their kid into hunting? Well, shoot a little bit in the summer before you start thinking about it with them. Get them on a rimfire, try it out, get them comfortable with it, or a bow if you're going archery. Get them started early, comfortable with a firearm. You're dealing with safety you're dealing with confidence. Build those two first. You know, then think about how you're going to find them a hunt. I totally blew it. I, I, I took a, a lot of them on hunts that were really hard. It was the grown before, up hunts. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was before the two day hunt. You know, it was the real hunt, the regular season hunt, competing with everybody. And I'm going to go elk hunting. Yeah. Don't do that. Take them on a deer hunt, maybe even an antelope hunt if you can get mm-hmm. them to a range and shoot well. Give them the familiarity with the firearm, handling it safely, but also building that confidence in their mind of shooting it, understanding the recoil, the bang, right? you know, the percussion and all that. And uh, just think about what they need for it and be extremely patient with them learning to shoot. Don't over-caliber them. I mean, they don't need to shoot a 300 win mag. <laughs> you, you laugh. No, I don't it's even like, want to shoot one of It happens. Us. My son's a big boy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Whack! Yeah. You know, <laughs> so don't do that. Well, I'm 6'3", 215, yeah. 300 windbag yeah. and knock the snot out of me. So. Yeah, and you've been shooting for years and years right. and years. So, so get them familiar with it and safe with, with the firearm or, right. or the archery equipment. Um, get them a little bit of gear when you go. Make sure they have warmer socks than you think you need because yep. their feet will get cold. My first daughter, I took her hunting, and I, we were, we asked permission in a place over by the Elkhorn. She had a cow tag, and I thought this would be an easy hunt. We got great permission, and and the trick was the landowner was a newer landowner, and he made us sit, and it was a cold opening oh. morning. And we sat in this little old par- partial part of a log cabin, and her feet were frozen solid. Right. So I learned how to rub feet then. So <laughs> make sure you got the right gear and, and plan the hunt so they can be comfortable as much as possible. Yeah, it's good to suffer a little, like yeah. Scott. <laughs> a little. Right. A little. Yeah. A little. Um, but mainly that, you know, make sure. I know we talked about orange a little bit, but make sure they've they've got orange on. Um, you know, they're running around. Right. A little more safety safety is really important, it. you know. Um all the safety stuff. Talk to him like you said, Mike, about where's the good shot? What's what's right. the good ethical shot? Those kind of things. Um but get him involved in some shooting sports. Uh 4H has a great program that starts at nine for rimfire, shotgun, and archery. So think about getting them involved in that in advance and, and that familiarity. Take them hiking, get them used to Wearing boots instead of, you know, shoes. cleats or shoes. Sneaks. Mm-hmm. You know, take the earphones off, take the iPad away. Yeah. Go fishing and hiking, get in the outdoors. Let them, let them feel the cold weather, the hot weather, the bugs, whatever it is. And don't get mad or disappointed if they back out at any stage of that, because they will. You know, that'll happen uh, all the way up to the moment of the trigger there where, where, where somebody says, I, I can't do it. That's, I, that happens. I remember the first hunt I took my second daughter on. And I had them both together, two daughters using one gun. They were both left eye, right-handed bolts. They didn't have very many left bolts in those days. And we were hunting whitetails, and it was the biggest whitetail deer I have never shot. And I went through that internal struggle with <laughs> that buck came down a fence line. I kind Take of patterned shot. him. Take the shot. Yeah, it's like, shoot, shoot. Okay, give it to your sister. Shoot, shoot, Somebody shoot. shoot. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and I thought. I should shoot him. I should shoot him. But I didn't. And I right. just walked that, watched that buck walk in between those aspens and it disappear. So, yeah, yeah. Be, be thinking about how it can go so it's to their benefit. Oh, I've gone, yeah, I've gone through that with adult friends of mine. And be out there seeing something. You're on the gun. They're oh, like, boy. take a shot. Take, would you shut up? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Believe it or not, that's not helping. Yeah. Um, well, it's all great advice. And Ed, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that, um, you know, certainly any conversation about hunter ethics, uh, you're always somebody that comes to mind because I know you, you know, you believe in doing this stuff right very strongly and starting with these kids. Um, it's been a real experience for me to see the boy from where he started like can i shoot that gun am i big enough all the way now to where we're almost there and he's like we're gonna shoot one more time right i want to i want more of that i want to do that more and like all right there we go that's awesome that hook is set Mm -hmm. yep um and god help me if he harvests something in the youth hunt because then he'll swallow it um that'll be it'll be fantastic so thank you so much for taking the time today thanks for asking me remember to rate review and subscribe to this thing wherever you found it we will be back to do this again next week